Welcome to the Inside Job Podcast with your hosts, David Evans and Casper Chittingdon. We're two Brighton-based life coaches on a mission to help men lead more purposeful, authentic and fulfilling lives. So let us take you on a journey as we explore what keeps men stuck and discover the empowering beliefs, fresh conditioning and growth mindsets that lead us to live life to the fullest. Okay, we are live. <laughs> it's taken a little while to get here, hasn't it? It's, it's been a process to arrive here today, but I'm very excited to be sat opposite you and be creating this vision that's existed within our minds for the past few months. And to that point, what is the inside job? We thought we'd start here on episode one just to give everybody listening to this podcast a little bit of an idea of why David Evans and Casper Chittenden are, are sat opposite each other having this conversation. The inside job is really about a commitment to your own inner growth and inner alchemy. It's also a commitment to being at your very best, to be your authentic self. But what I think Casper and I have realised between us is that anything that's happening on the outside world that we perceive can cause an emotional response. It can cause something to happen within us. And we both knew that actually that response comes from our own mindset. And whatever that response is due to the inside job, due to the inner mindset that we're holding, our inner perspectives. If we're experiencing joy, that's because of the mindset and story that we're telling ourselves, and that's something to celebrate. If we're experiencing frustration or anger or uncertainty or overwhelm, that's also something to celebrate because it's a clue to how our mindset isn't really serving us to be at our best. So the inside job is really holding that kind of like acute awareness of what's going on the inside and taking responsibility to transform and connect with yourself so that you're always heading towards a place of joy and happiness and radiation of love. Let's put the word in there. Um, it is about living your life from a place of love rather than from a place of fear. The word that we use often is alchemy. And for those who are listening, they may think alchemy, that's turning base metals into gold and essentially that's what the inner alchemy is it's looking at our fears our insecurities our worries and unpacking curiously with compassion where that comes from and but also being okay with the fact that we're humans having a human experience and that we are emotionally volatile but when we do find ourselves in these less favorable places it's to really understand okay what's going on here at a deeper level what can I learn from this? How can I up-level myself without looking to be like being sad is bad, but also understanding why I'm sad, like what's at the root cause of this, and how can I shift myself back up into a more regulated state? And as, as you were speaking, Casper, like another kind of angle came in for me about this kind of inner alchemy and inner transformation, what you said about not making sad bad. And I think this part of this journey is to acknowledge that you can do this journey from a violent perspective, you can be up on yourself and make yourself wrong, or you can take it from a non-violent perspective, from like Gandhi's perspective, and of kind of non-violence and peace. And that is also part of that inner transformation, that inner alchemy, we use the word compassion. And I think the place often we, again, send a finger and point a finger to, we need more compassion in the world and outside in the world. But we often forget there's three fingers pointing back towards ourselves. And 
sometimes that's the place where compassion needs to start with ourselves and that compassionate journey of inner alchemy of like all those scratchy unaccepted parts of ourselves we start to welcome them into our lives and as we welcome them in that becomes part of the transformation we have some questions we want our listeners to get a bit of an idea of who dave evans and casper chittenden are yeah, and maybe a little bit of why you should continue listening to us. And that as well, why you should continue <laughs> listening to the Inside Job podcast. I'm going to kick things off mm. with a question that mm. I love. We could go deep on this one. Mm. It's what is the catalyst that got you here today? Ooh, that's such a, a beautiful and big question. There have been many catalysts that have got me here today. And also to the listener, I hope this sort of the invitation is for you to reflect on these questions as well of what maybe is the catalyst that's got you to the point where you're actually listening to our podcast because there'll be something that has called you in and drawn you in i'm going to start with we're going to just go straight in and go deep i lost my father seven years ago so i was 24 years old when he passed it was sudden and tragic unexpected he was healthy i had a great relationship with him i was just at that age as 24 year old men are with their fathers where we were renegotiating our relationship as I was stepping into my adulthood as a man so that was a kind of it was a trauma for me to lose him at that age because we didn't actually finish that conversation or that journey together and the catalyst was I went off the rails about six months after he passed I wasn't coping wasn't showing up to work in the best way that I could and realized that there was something was wrong went to have a conversation with my doctor who was a very compassionate doctor and called out to me and said I think you're experiencing grief and what I would offer to you is to go and see a grief counsellor so that's what I did I met a beautiful man called Stan who was a grief counsellor and he started asking me questions like what's important to you David what are your values where's your life going what do you want to achieve I'd never answered any of those questions to myself before. I was on a kind of default lifestyle. And that was the catalyst that woke me up to choice, actually, mm-hmm. and the choices that I was making. And once I started to own my choices and consciously make choices, that was the catalyst to me creating the life that I'm living today. Thank you, Dave. That's beautiful. And it reminds me of a. Uh a kind of a little saying it's like the best habit to create is the habit of conscious choice making dave and i were were on a walk a couple of weeks ago and he shared that story with me and from a very almost identical manner and for me that was my catalyst that was me confronting grief it was almost felt this kind of it felt like a process of going from a boy to man in some way strangely and I had lost my father very suddenly. I was living in Argentina at the time. I was down in South America working uh, for a property investment company. And I was back in England sorting out some affairs and then came back to Argentina to wrap things up there before moving back to England. And I, I broke my ankle in a, in a bit of a, a tragic accident running for a taxi in the rain. And so I was in this grief process, but also... Um, immobilized at home um, and just really sat with these big life questions. I had this space to really think about, okay, 
what do I want to do with my life? What feels like my purpose? What are my values? Because it had become quite clear to me that I had made choices based on the values of others and not by my own values. So I, I wanted to make some shifts there. You know? I was faced with moving back to uh, England and looking at, do I want to go and continue this path in property and real estate and, and for that to be my career? I was starting to get a little bit just bored and of not really getting to the end of a deal and just feeling, okay, that's it. Now what? On, on to the next. And it was just rinse and repeat. And I was not really giving anything back. And it occurred to me that actually helping and serving and supporting other people was a, a real high value of mine. And I was incredibly into fitness and training. And that had been a huge uh, cornerstone for me and my own wellness. And I decided that I wanted to go into the, the fitness business. And that's what I did. I moved back to England and, and started that. But that was my catalyst. And it's amazing that both of us mm. had almost exactly the same experience. Mm. Absolutely incredible. Mm. It was a bit of a surprise, wasn't it, on that walk? <laughs> and as I was listening to you, Casper, I think one of the words that came up for me was recognizing the emptiness of your life and my life, our lives. That's what I partly also was a catalyst was I realized my life was empty of meaning. And I really remember that kind of shift. It was over six months when I became really aware of what was important to me and what I wanted to do next. And it lit a fire within me. That kind of, that was part of the alchemy beginning of literally transforming those kind of like lower base emotions or lower lifestyle into something that was much more rewarding and fulfilling. I think that's also part of what this is about is the inside job is about allowing ourselves to move towards fulfillment and actually having the courage. It takes courage to give yourself permission mm. to live a fulfilling life mm. and to define success on your own term. It's a radical move sometimes to do that and it builds into this next question it's what bumped you out of your default life mm. and i guess it was those catalytic mm. experiences that we both had and just listening to you speak and building on that it's it's very much looking at okay i had through my conditioning through my parenting through my schooling it's like we unconsciously adopted these ways of being and it was a sudden just like jolt of actually, do you know what? I want to take a, a, a different course. So that was the, the, the bump in the road. It was very abrupt and pretty painful, very painful. Yeah, there was pain for me. And I wouldn't have used the word back then, but the word I would use now is contrast. I became very aware of the contrast of the life I was leading and living and the life I wanted to live. And then the choices I needed to make or could choose to make that would take me towards that life that I want to kind of lead mm, yeah and that you asked about that kind of bump out the default life it was the first recognition of this isn't what I want and I don't ever remember deciding that this is what I want and it's that was a little bit of anger <laughs> at that time <laughs> anger and frustration and but that also was like the fuel and the catalyst there's something in there just listening to you speak David about being out of alignment and it's a concept that I like to work with on myself and, and with the clients that I work with in my coaching practice and I'm calling it the come from mm. and it's mm. if your inner state is off mm. what choices are you making from that place mm. 
Mm. When you're operating from a place of fear, insecurity, mm. sadness, anger, mm. what are the conversations you're having from that mm. place? What are the decisions that you're making? Mm. What's your orientation? So it's mm. really important when we do find ourselves in these states to catch ourselves, yeah. witness ourselves, recognize it. Out. Mm. And I just want to build a little bit on choice as well and bring the word compassion back in. Mm. Because I've got a friend and one of the things I really appreciate about her was she'd say to me, Dave, it's a choice. It's a choice. And I remember sometimes feeling a little bit angry about that because I, it's not a choice. And one of the things that we kept coming back to is if you've made that move, that action, then whether it's deep from your subconscious, it's still a choice that you've made. And the moment that you own that choice is the moment of transformation. And it's to be kind to yourself because that choice may have come from years, years of family conditioning and social conditioning. And it may be out of your awareness that it's a choice. And I went through part of that alchemizing of, okay, these are choices I've made. I can own those choices without blame. I can accept that I've done that, but that's in the past. Those choices don't need to define my future. They've got me to where I am now, but it gives me that opportunity to make another choice which will be a choice of transformation. Mm. I think this kind of leads nicely on to our next question is, when did you decide to be successful in your own terms? I think it's really interesting. <laughs> I think it became more conscious after my dad died and I changed direction. So everything that I'd done up until then was a success, but it was like an unconscious following of patterns in my personal relationships, I've had a much more colourful life. <laughs> and I would say probably in the last eight years was when I made a choice to have success and what success looked like in my personal relationships. So that journey's been not as long, but it's actually been the deeper journey rather than the kind of work coaching fulfilment journey. Mm-hmm. I think there's more to unpack there, but I, one of the things I I love about working with Casper is that like <laughs> we'll drop a question, I think, oh I'm I thought I knew that, and I don't. It's the power of Casper and his, his coaching and his powerful questions. So I, I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah, and, and, and I guess maybe, maybe I'll jump in because yeah, yeah. I always get inspired listening to, to yeah. what you say, David. Yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that really reminds me of mm. you know, this mm. thing or mm. this idea or this concept. And that's why mm. I love the conversations that we have. Mm. That's why we're here. Mm. But, yeah, for me, really, it was it was directly after the, after my father passed away mm. that I started to look at what success really meant mm. for me. And if we can talk in like more real terms for me when I moved back to England and all I was focused on was I want to be able to use my skills as a personal trainer and fit, fitness practitioner and, and wellness coach, I guess you could call it, to serve others. And so if I was able to affect the, the quality of somebody else's life, that for me was a huge success. Mm. If somebody turned around and they were like, mm. I feel great, I mm. feel healthy, my sleep's better, I'm like less stressed, mm. that for me was success. We, I, I feel that in the past or before this, I'd always tied success to money and mm. status. That was very much like how success was modeled for me. Mm. And then I started to choose what success looks like for me. Mm. Success was having really good quality relationships with people 
that's and that is and that's just something that's been growing and growing for me but that's how I really define success mm. and something that I continue to explore and it, I think it's <clears throat> for me it's almost unconscious now but I'll bring it back into my consciousness it's about purpose for me success is to be living on purpose and to live on purpose one needs to know their purpose and know their purpose is evolving and I think probably that's what happened after my death of my dad is I got much more clear about what my purpose was back then and there's a common thread through my purpose but it's evolved in different actions it shows up in different ways and I think that's also why I coach which is to help people facilitate finding purpose finding their own north star and that's really what I want for you, the listeners, my coaching clients is that's my number one question is, do you know what your purpose is? I think that's for me mm. success. People may well be on purpose. In fact, I do have a belief that you will not be on purpose. It's whether you own that again, a bit like choices and how that can really start to define a life of fulfillment. We've been talking about a little bit about our journey. And in some ways that journey is a journey of self-inquiry. Mm. So it's again, what started that for you? Yeah, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is I can really visualize um, that that process starting. As I mentioned earlier, I was in Argentina and I was nursing a broken ankle and was immobilized and sat with this, with a lot of grief and a lot of these big questions. And that was something that I, I really sat with, these questions around what is my purpose what do I want to achieve? How do I want to give back? What gives me joy and fulfillment? So I guess really that's where it started for me, the process of inquiry. And it's just, it has been an ongoing journey. And to this day, it's when I experience a response or mm-hmm. that's it's at the other end of the scale or, or like a reaction. Mm. Now I'm now I get interested. Mm. I'm like, where does this come from? Why am I reacting in this way? Yeah, let's follow this thread. What does it mm. mean? When was an earlier mm. instance or scenario that I felt like this, and start to unpack it? So that's the inquiry piece is is ongoing. Mm. It, it's something that it, that's that's very present in my day to day life. But these points of inquiry were really brought about by most of slowing down mm. so my the, mm. when i broke my ankle i was immobilized i i was working from home at the time i was also just about to move back to england so i started to wind things down a little bit which created space for me to inquire yeah yeah and i think this is really key because the big and i've had quite a few really pivotal shifts within my life and they've all been off the back of these periods of time where I've created space for myself and really got in tune with Mm. what I want what direction do I want to move in Mm. is this serving me and just asking myself those big questions that help keep me on purpose and help Mm. keep me in alignment to what I truly desire and that does change over time Mm. so I think it's important to constantly be checking in with yourself am I inspired am I on purpose Am I feeling fulfilled and happy? Is mm. what can I let go of? What's not serving me? Mm. What do I want to bring? What types of intention can I create to bring more mm. joy, love, fulfillment, connection, mm. all the good stuff mm. into my life? Mm. And I think that, no, I think I know that can only be done 
in times of you know you don't need to you don't need to create a, a kind of a cataclysmic event for mm. that to happen but i just think that one can create periods of time where all tools are downed and you can really just go into that inquiry piece mm. and this our kind of hyper hyper paced modern culture i think it's very hard to do and it takes courage a lot of courage to do that because those slowing down moments can sometimes be a place where we will numb out mm. right we can play games on our computer or console or we can turn to alcohol or eating or other distractions what i'm noticing the question came up and you've answered it for us casper well, what do you do when you inquire <laughs> and i love you giving us a few questions of what's fulfilling for me what does success look like for me Am I on purpose? Those kind of questions. I think that inquiry is, is, yes, how do you do it? And how do you notice? And again, you made a choice. Mm. You made a very kind of bold, and powerful and strong choice. And yeah, just like it's inspiring to hear that. Mm, thank you. Man. There's, there's something there just to build mm. on what you said, Dave, of our distractions. And, mm. and I noticed this a lot. It's I even see it in myself. I'm not, I'm not going to sit up here and just say I'm perfect. We all have our kind of our default mode and we all have our distractions. And yeah, it, it's when there's a quiet moment, we can reach for our phone or mm. we can, we're constantly distracting ourselves. Yeah. And I find that I see this a lot when there's potentially quite a lot going on with somebody. Mm. They're outsourcing mm. a lot mm-hmm. and actually saying, sit down with a pen and paper mm. and answer yeah. these questions can mm. be very challenging. It does take courage mm. because it requires us to really turn our attention inwards mm. and sit with things that could be quite, quite tough to process. Or uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's not easy. Yeah. It's not easy. No, yeah. this is, it's not for the faint hearted. And, and it's, as you said, Dave, it, do, it does take courage. That is the process. And it's, and to listeners, it's something that I would highly encourage to a practice to do regularly mm. is, is mm. to really carve out some time and just keep re- mm. keep staying centered because if we're off by one degree mm. each day yeah in a year yeah we're like we're way off course yeah you just reminded me one of our friends has a, a little bit of an intention that he lives by which is i calibrate to my higher self and i love that kind of whatever that means to you in terms of higher self but that kind of keep coming back and the inquiry of how far away am i my higher self i love that so i go yeah how what's that what, i was just thinking about what started the process of my inquiry and it was a two-stage process so the first place and it's a very strong image so one of the things a bit of a ritual that my dad and i had around holiday times so probably christmas easter and birthdays we would have a whiskey and a cigar together that's just and we'd just talk stuff through and when he passed, I went to our went to the sort of drinks cabinet. There was one cigar left and one shot of whiskey in the whiskey bottle. So I took that whiskey, shot of whiskey in the cigar, and went to the chapel of rest because I was away when he died. So I came back down to my family and then said I wanted to see him and he was in the chapel of rest. And I said to the, what's he called? funeral person <laughs> i forgot the name as i said i'm gonna go and smoke this cigar and have my last conversation with, and drink this whiskey and have my last conversation with dad and i said i remember seeing him and he looked the first thing was 
a moment of relief because he looked so peaceful and chatting away to him. And at one point, I was still processing, this was probably two days after he died, three days after he died, is he really dead? And I remember just pinching his nose, and of course he didn't make a noise, and then I kissed him on the forehead and he was stone cold. And I remember thinking then, what's left? What has left you? Because this is now your body, but there's something else that was here in your body. And that kind of inquiry of what is life, what is spirit, what is all of that kind of started to trigger in me. And then you can fast forward probably about three or four months and the sort of role I was in, I was traveling around different, in my work role, traveling to different kind of cities and towns. And I was in Aylesbury on lunch break, walking, and I walked into this bookshop and it's for any of you that watched Harry Potter, it was a very sort of Diagon Alley-like bookshop. Literally, Aww. as the door opened, I opened this door, and as I opened this door, literally in front of me was a bookshelf, and this book fell off the floor, slap, hit the ground. It was the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and it's just, that's Dad talking to me. And that was my start of inquiry, because I read this book, and it talked about all kinds of other realms, and I had a kind of, my mind exploded <laughs> as I read this book. And so that was like the start of my journey into... We're more than three-dimensional. We hope you enjoyed listening to our first episode of The Inside Job as much as we enjoyed recording it. If any of the topics we covered in this episode opened up a space of reflection or inquiry, or if you had any questions, we would love to hear from you. You can find our email addresses in the show notes below. In episode two, you can find out a bit more about us, who we are, and what inspired us to create The Inside Job podcast. We hope to meet you there. Thanks again for listening.